Hey guys, Brad here with Investor Creator, and today we're going to be talking about the top five marketing mistakes that I'm seeing in real estate investing businesses across the country right now, because we're hearing a lot of talk from wholesalers. I'll get into that, but first I just kind of want to do a recap of the first half of the year. So we're now in the first week of July, and looking at our numbers, we're fairly satisfied with our numbers, but we're not ecstatic. So we did $710,000 in long-term equity captured. Now, those would be purchases that we turned into sales and we captured a note, or purchases where we're going to keep a long-term asset as a rental. And so we did $710,000 in long-term equity captured during the first six months of the year, which is not terrible, but it's not on track for what we wanted to do. So we need to be closer to a million at this point. But I will say that we have a lot of properties that are in the queue right now that are going to be converting into the second half of the year. So it's certainly reasonable that we hit our $2 million goal for the year, but we've got some work to do. And it's a good thing to realize that at the half point of the year than at the end of the year and say, well, gosh, we just blew it. So we are watching those numbers. And again, we're we're happy, we're satisfied, but we're not ecstatic. So we've got some work to do there. So it being the first week of July, we have the holiday coming up. And I think my good friend, Rich, who's also a private lender, he's going to be uh, having some people over to his lake house. So we're going to have a good time with that. Unfortunately, my wife and children can't make it. My kids go to bed about 7 p.m. So that's a good thing and a bad thing. So it's a good thing whenever uh, we want some adult time after the kids go to bed. But it's a bad thing whenever we have a social uh, gathering around 5 p.m. because it's it doesn't leave a whole lot of time for the kids to go there and have a lot of fun and come back home. So And to the parents out there or or people that have been parents, you know, you don't go to bed late. You don't get the kids to bed late. So that's something that we're trying to avoid. So I'm going to go do that on the third. And then the fourth, we've got a neighborhood get together that we do every year. I'm really blessed with great neighbors. One of them has a a pretty nice pool. So we go over there, we cook out and have a great time. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the holiday. I really love this holiday because you know, if people didn't have an overarching belief in what they could accomplish, then this country wouldn't exist the way that it does today. So I love that about it and appreciate the veterans for making that a a possibility for us. Let's move on. Let's talk about some real estate. I've had a a few wholesalers across the country reach out to me in in the past 30 days or so, and I'm not going to call them exactly frantic, but they are there is a, a hint of of concern in their voice because what they're seeing is that their marketing is not converting like it has in the past, that they're, they have this big outlay in marketing dollar. They've created this infrastructure because they're not lean. They have a lot of employees and a lot of overhead, and they're beginning to see that the marketing is not paying off like it has in the past. And I think that there's a few reasons for that, but namely, what we saw was a complete rocket ship when it comes to price in most of the markets in the country. So we went from, say, a $100,000 property to a hundred or $160,000 property across roughly six years. Well, you think about that, it got to the point, guys, where if you hadn't bought the house in the past 36 or so months or haven't refinanced in that time, then you had a real asset base, a real equity base that somebody could come in and purchase. Okay, So to think about that in a separate way, Let's say that there's a home seller that's roughly distressed, relatively distressed, and they want a $120,000 purchase for their property, okay? Well, they couldn't get that when it was worth 100 and they couldn't get that from a wholesaler when it was worth 120 But once it's worth 160 or 180 then they can get that, okay? And at the end of the day, the people that were willing to sell at that 120 k price point, regardless of what the actual value is, has really dried up. 
So we're seeing a situation in which this this big equity swing happened, and then the people that wanted to take advantage of that equity swing in terms of selling the property, most of them have already done so. So we're beginning to see a drying up of sellers in some of these markets. Now, guys, look, don't email me and say, oh, Brad's become a, you know, a, a naysayer. Well, that's not the case at all. This business works and it's going to work and it will always work because people always have life situations in which they have to sell their equity. OK, and so that's always going to work, but it may become more difficult the next five years and it has been the previous five years as price begins to stabilize. So at the end of the day, these people are reaching out to me and saying, hey, Brad, you know, we're a little bit concerned. Do you have any thoughts? How's your business going? And I'm happy to, to help them and, and talk to them about this situation. But it's one of those things that I can hear that they're they're concerned. And some of them have even told me that they're starting to lose money each month, that they were turning 100K profits, 200K profits per month before and now they're beginning to lose money. So we're going to talk about what they can do and what you can do with your marketing to stave off some of this. Okay, so let's get into it. Top five marketing mistakes that I see in business. And we're going to go from number five, which is like the least problematic to number one. Okay, so number five, focusing on cheap marketing, focusing on cheap marketing. So let's talk about that. You may say, well, Brad, you know, I'm just starting. I, I don't really have a whole lot of funds to put into the marketing machine or to build that lead generation machine. And guys, if that's where you are, then that's fine. But cheap marketing is always expensive when it comes to time. OK, so there's two types of marketing. There's sweat marketing, which is is very cheap, but it's very time intensive. And there's also paid marketing, which is, quote unquote, expensive when it comes to in terms of dollars. But it's relatively scalable. OK, and so people that begin in this business, if you have to use cheap marketing or sweat marketing, then that's OK. An example of that would be knocking doors or uh, doing a very targeted pre foreclosure list where you're handwriting the letters, something like that. So it's a very time intensive way to do business. But if that's where you have to start, then that's where you have to start. The problem with it, guys, is you cannot scale sweat marketing. You cannot scale knocking doors by yourself. Now, you can get a team, but then we're talking about moving to a paid model, right? So we cannot take a sweat marketing type of scenario and scale it to where it's going to create an effective business. Because at the end of the day, guys, what I want for you is to be able to turn on your lead flow like a water faucet. It's like you want more deals, you want more leads, turn it on, turn it off if you don't. Okay. And that's what a super successful business has is that type of scalability. And that does not come from cheap marketing. Okay. So guys, what can we do? Well, you do your cheap marketing while you have to. But then whenever you get that first deal, you start taking 20% of that profit and you begin to use paid marketing, okay? And it snowballs so quickly, guys. I've seen it a hundred times. People get their first deal. Now they have five, six, eight thousand dollars $8,000 they can put towards their marketing. And now they have two deals, three deals, and they do it again and again. And before they know it, they're buying a house a week. Let's move on to number four, using a branding versus a conversion marketing tactic using a branding versus a conversion marketing tactic. And so a lot of, of marketing gurus outside of the real estate investing space focus on branding. And so I, I think a great example of this is uh, Coca-Cola or Geico. I love the Geico commercials. Now, for those unfamiliar, everybody knows what Coca-Cola is. For those who are unfamiliar with Geico, it's the lizard that does like the funny things. So it may talk to you or whatever. And it's just really amazing branding marketing. But they're not asking you to do anything, really. They're not saying, hey, go buy a Coke. 
hey, call us for an appointment for your insurance needs, anything like that. They're just staying in top of mind awareness. They want you to be aware of that brand, and that's focusing on branding. Now, guys, in terms of the real estate investing space, it is very difficult to brand a company. Very difficult. Okay. And we're seeing the national players like Open Door and New Western and, and those types of players begin to try and do this. But will they be successful? It remains to be seen. I know Zillow, I think last quarter lost $140,000 per flip whenever they allocated their overhead costs to each transaction. So instead of branding a business, what we want to do is have lead flow. We want to convert people to say, hey, I'm going to raise my hand. I need a cash offer on my house. We want to sell our property versus them just being aware of who we are. And it seems like that's pretty obvious. But one thing that I see is people get bigger in their business is they want to try and brand their business. And I've only seen this work just a couple of times. They were big players and they had money to burn. But I would submit to you that more likely than not, if they just kept with their conversion tactics, they probably would have made more money. Okay, so we want to focus on conversion and not branding. Number three, not diversifying your lead flow. And at the end of the day, what this comes down to is we want to have multiple channels that create good lead flow. Now, if you have three different tactics to create lead flow, say it's a direct mail, it's voicemail blast and it's pay-per-click you're always going to have one that is vastly outperforming the other two. Okay. But it's always good to diversify because what begins to not work as well will then be supplemented very, very well with the other forms of marketing. Okay. So one thing that we're beginning to do is start cold calling and we're cold calling specific pre-foreclosure lists. Okay. And we're doing that across multiple states and that's worked out fairly well, but it's to supplement the pay-per-click that we're doing. So pay-per-click even today, and it's become more difficult the past six months, but even today, it's still the best form of marketing that I've seen for this business, but it is, quote unquote, expensive in dollar terms. So if you can't invest, say, $10,000 into your marketing or at least five, then you're going to have a difficult time because there's a learning curve with it. You need a good landing page. You need a good manager for the pay-per-click campaign. So there's a lot of different things that you have to get right to do it well. All right. But we really want to diversify our lead flow so that we have multiple ways to create that person to sell to us. Now, I have actually had in my career the same person reach out to us to buy their property two different ways. So they would call a letter and then they would go online to find somebody there. And just lo and behold, it was the same people. It was us. Okay. And that's pretty fun, but it's just going to allow you to capture that many more leads. So diversify that risk of not having adequate marketing or compelling marketing during that time. Let's go to number two, tracking your numbers too short term, tracking your numbers too short term. This is something that I see with newbies all the time. Okay. So you get a little bit of money together. You start your paid marketing machine. You're really excited. And then let's say it's a pay-per-click campaign and you sit at your desk and you're literally hitting refresh every 10 minutes to see what's going on. And you think, oh my gosh, I just spent $10 on a click or $30 on a click. And it impacts them emotionally. You can't, guys, judge something without a representative sample. And I would submit to you that minutes or even days or weeks at times are, are not representative samples. Okay. So what I like to look at in, in terms of paid marketing is what is our benchmark in terms of cost per contract in terms of dollar for our other marketing? Okay. So let's say it's $2,000. Okay. Well, I want to spend that twice with a different marketing technique to see how it's going to do compared to what we're already doing. So in other words, if I'm spending $2,000 per contract on pay-per-click, 
then I would allocate $4,000 for direct mail or radio, or I've actually always wanted to buy a hot air balloon and put We Buy Houses on the side. I think that would work out relatively well. But some type of marketing that you haven't done that you don't know the numbers to. So in my opinion, if you spend double what it costs you in another marketing technique to create a transaction and you don't get a deal from it, then we can pretty much scrap that marketing channel. Okay. So we want to have a representative sample in terms of lead flow and in terms of contract flow per dollar spent for these marketing channels. Let's go to number one. And this is something that I think plagues everyone. Okay. The biggest marketing mistake that I see is not really realizing that your marketing is an investment. Guys, your first investment in this business is into your marketing machine, whether that's a, a sweat investment or that's a paid investment. We'll leave that up to you. But your first investment is into your marketing machine. And it's an investment, guys. It is not a cost. So if I see a business that is struggling to create contracts, then the first thing that I want to know is how much are you spending on your marketing? And that's almost always the main culprit and why that business is failing. Guys, I cannot personally spend enough on my marketing machine. Once the marketing machine is proven, it's like buying dollars at a discount because I know that our transaction is X and it's going to cost me Y to get that transaction. And at that point, once you know your numbers, it's just buying transactions. So we can put money into the marketing machine and there is a little bit of an ebb and flow. But again, that's why we want to look at representative numbers. Okay. We want to look at representative sample sizes. So at the end of the day, guys, we have to understand that our marketing machine is our top priority. It's our best investment and it's the way that we're going to win in this business. All right, guys, that's enough for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And next time we're going to be talking to Keith Yaki. He's a good friend of mine and he has raised $45 million in private money. And we're going to be talking with him about creating a machine that allows us to go out and get that private money cheaply and effectively. All right, guys, take care. We'll talk to you next time. 